This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Coming up on today's show, Xbox and Bethesda are ready to show their goods. Skull and Bones is delayed again, and Paris Lilly is here. And welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I am one of your hosts, Andrea Renee, joined by Mrs. Rihanna Manuel Pena. Hello, what's good? Good to see you as always, my friend. And we're also joined by Brittany Brombacher. Hello. 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 <laughs> that kind of reminds me of that caterpillar from The Labyrinth. Now I'm going to be thinking about Jared's hair. I think I watched time. that once with you and Steimer when we were tipsy. And it was the most amazing thing you've ever seen in your life? Is that what you were about Excuse to say? Excuse me, have you seen the movie Clueless? Oh, true. Okay, this is a debate for another time. Uh, because we also have a very special guest, podcast host, content creator, apparently wonderful barbecue chef, Paris Lilly is here. Thank you so much for having me. Paris, I say apparently because I've actually never tasted your barbecue, but it always looks delicious when you post about your fancy. Well, you know what? We're actually local, so we need to make that happen. And I can honestly say Cleef isn't local, and let's keep it that way because you don't want to try his food. <laughs> but Are thank you, you for having one me. Khalif Adams? Is that yes, who I you am. were referring to? <laughs> I am. I've actually never tasted his barbecue either, so I don't know who's actually better. And you don't want to. <laughs> I was going to suggest a cook-off, you know, blind tasting, but it sounds like we shouldn't no, even risk you, it. No, you want to cheat and make sure you're eating mine and not his because you okay. don't want to do that. Noted. Well, I'll bring the wine, you bring the BBQ, yes. and it will be one big party. Well, we're glad that you're here. I know that this has been a little while in the making. <laughs> you happen to call us out on your show, Gamer Tag Radio. Uh-huh. With uh, with your co-host, and it was brought to light, and we were like, "Oh, dang, Paris! Okay, it's like that." See, I I I wanted to be on this show, so I had to make a statement, put it on social media. I literally begged, and it happened. So and I, we I'm took very pity happy on to be you. Here. Yes, you thank you. you. I never had to beg. It was just about setting up the date, and I'm glad that you are finally here, especially since I'm going to be talking about some of the fun tech stuff I saw at CES 2023 this past weekend. But before we jump into the news, I want to say thank you to this month's Patreon producers, Chewy's Godson, Alex Rogopoulos, Ferris Atia, Justin Foshi, and Punctified. And welcome to our Patreon community, Ty the Duke. Great name. We appreciate all of your support at patreon.com slash what's good games. And we also have some new podcast reviewers. Britt? We do. Chitia, Chitia, I want to say Chia, 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 but I know that's not your name. So that's what Chetia? I'm going to Chetia, yeah, that's probably the right way to say it. Uh, thank you so much, Chichia, for your heartfelt review on Apple. It means the world to us and it keeps us going. Thank you. Helps us in those algorithms. More people discover us so we can afford to get people like Paris on our show. You know, just a nobody. He's no one in the podcast world. He's just this <laughs> poor guy who made a plea video on Twitter. 
It and apparently, you know, he just it stumbled works. his way onto Kind of Funny Games, which yeah. we'll talk a little bit more about later. Today's show is also brought to you by HelloFresh, but we'll talk about that in just a moment because I want to mention there's an award show coming up, Rihanna. I yeah. think you may have a little something to do with. I thought that maybe it'd be good to get a sneak a little plug in for. Yeah, yeah. So for those who don't know, I am co-hosting the second annual Spawnies with Khalif Adams, who allegedly cannot cook. Um, we're, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're very excited to record the Spawnies. Of course, this year, all of the category nominations and winners are voted on by the community. So it's a fun spin this is 100% fan and community voting. There is no panel of judges or mysterious figures in the background pulling levers for their favorites. Hey, listen, <laughs> we, we, we try to do our best with the Game Awards, okay? <laughs> we do what we can. But yeah, th this is going to be a lot of fun. There's definitely going to be some titles that you probably haven't heard of and haven't played yet. So be sure to tune in. We're going to be filming that very soon up at a studio that Paris is very familiar with in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Oh, And also... I've been very busy. <laughs> I'm working with the, the team over at Amplifying New Voices, and we got funded for this year. So we're really Yay! excited to be bringing the program to life again. This is going to give marginalized developers across the entire globe the opportunity to come to GDC. You get a travel stipend, you get food, you get to meet with a bunch of really great mentors in hands-on training, one-on-one -on -one sessions. You get headshots, you get to train on how to pitch your games to people, fast track for a GDC talk. Like it's an incredible program. So if you or any developer you know is interested, go to amplifyingnewvoices.org and there you can learn more and even apply. Oh, cool. Congratulations. I love to hear that. That's a fantastic program that you're involved in. And we will put that link in the show notes in case you guys want to check that out. But without further ado, shall we talk about some news? Yeah. Brittany, you seem excited about this one. I mean, it's hard to be. Last week was the epitome of my life. I got to talk about Final <laughs> Fantasy and Zelda and Persona. And now I get to talk about showcases, which is like cool, but it's not Final Fantasy cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I hear you. Well, do you want me to read about Xbox and Bethesda? <laughs> I would love you so to. This, well, so this leaked, right? And then I think Xbox is like, well, fine. Since you <laughs> kind of outed us, we'll just out ourselves. <laughs> According to Xbox.com, they're going to be having a developer underscore direct. Ooh, I don't know what that's fancy. about. Wednesday, January 25th, providing fans with an inside look at some of the games coming to Xbox, PC, and Game Pass over the next few months. Presented by the game Ooh. creators themselves. Okay, I'm not going to read the whole thing oh, in that voice. Um, I like that voice. Arcane Austin, Moyang, Turn 10, and Zenimax Online Studios. Developer Direct will focus on big features, extended gameplay showcases. Ooh, I love me some extended gameplay. And latest info for Xbox games launching in the next few months, which I think is an important qualifier. Because that, to me, is a little like, hmm. So, including... Elder Scrolls Online, Forza Motorsport, Minecraft Legends, and Redfall. Do we have an exact date for Redfall? Did I just miss it? Not I don't yet. think so. No. Just a so vague Probably window. at this thing is when we're going to get it, right? Yep. So, Paris, you happen to host a podcast called The X-Cast over at Kind of Funny Games. We love those folks over there. So, as the guy who talks about all things Xbox, did you see this coming? Yes, because of their absence at the Game Awards. And I, I think a lot of us, you know, all of us were in attendance at the Game Awards, but but walking out of that and not having any presence there, it was like they got to be doing something soon. And obviously, Aaron Greenberg hinted towards that right after the Game Awards. And then here we are in the new year. 
and they, they've announced this event on January 25th. And it makes a lot of sense because they're basically going to give us a second look at all the games that they promised us from the last showcase in June. And yeah, we get extended gameplay look, but they put release dates on all these games, which is the most important part. So we'll know when Redfall is coming out. We'll know when Forza is coming out. We'll know when Minecraft Legends is coming out, etc. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. I think doing it direct style where there isn't a host and it's the actual development teams talking about their games. I like this approach. I think it'll be good. I think that that style can go either way. We've seen it be a little awkward for some teams when they get folks that aren't used to talking on camera, as all of us do professionally. It's not just something that you can just get up there and do, even if it's not live. It still is sometimes very difficult, particularly for people whose profession isn't talking on camera. So I hope that it's going to go great. I'm always kind of surprised why they don't have, you know, someone like a Major Nelson or any other part of their on-camera team for a lot of the things they do, kind of just do the interstitial. I do love seeing more of the devs, but, uh, you know, hopefully it's going to be fantastic. Well, my theory on that is they want to have these smaller direct type events during the year. But the big E3 event, that's where you'll roll out the host and do things like that. A fan fest event, you'll have someone hosting that. But these that are specifically updates to game reveals, let the developers do the talking. But to your point, yeah, some people, it may be a little awkward for them if they don't have that experience. Like, Like as an example. When they do Starfield, Todd Howard will talk for two hours because he's good at it, right? So it all really depends on who they get from the teams to you know present these games. And I also think of the Nintendo Indie World Showcase. I think that's what they, I can't keep track. But whenever they do talk about some of those warm and fuzzy and impactful games, it really does make a difference when you get the development mm-hmm. team on there. You can tell they're not used to speaking on camera, but I think that adds the bit of the charm. And I think there's that sweet spot, right? Where it's like, don't make them like go into a whole like, monologue but talk about what they're passionate about and what they know I think that's the sweet spot but I'm excited for this live stream I know I was kind of throwing some shade earlier but I love Xbox and I was kind of getting a refresher on what we have in the pipeline for Xbox with some unreleased titles and I thought it could be kind of fun to briefly just go down this because let's do it I feel like I have to dust off my my rusty ass brain and now that we have the Xbox expert uh, Paris figure you know you can let me know when I get something very wrong so this year assuming all goes according to plan. Starfield Redfall, Warhammer Darktide, Age of Empires Definitive Edition is coming out later this month. Fable, I don't think that's coming out this year. No, no no way. But that's still in the pipeline. We have State of Decay 3, which we haven't heard from in a hot minute. Where is that game, Paris? Is there like a recent update that I'm just not They've not said a word. I don't think that game's coming out this year either. No, absolutely not. Uh, I'd be surprised. Everwild, and that's the rare game, right? And that one has just been like peeps, nothing on that one. Mm -hmm. The Outer Worlds 2, no way this year, but that's a thing that's happening. Obsidian's been way too busy. Yep. You have Senua's Saga Hellblade 2. I can see that. That could be this year for that. I think that would be a good thing. I expect that one this year. Uh I mean, because if you go back and think about it, it is the first game that they showed for the Xbox Series X in 2019. Yeah, we got that reveal at the Game Awards, right? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's and, time. Holiday 2023 feels right. And then there's this one, which definitely is not coming out. Indiana Jones, the machine games. No. So no. does that, and then you have obviously Elder Scrolls Online that they're talking about the chapter update for it's so Minecraft Legends and Redfall. There's yeah, also, and, and I always screw up the name. I believe it's Contraband. Contraband from Avalanche um, Games that they partnered with. That mm. has a chance potentially of being this year. I mean, the rest of them like Perfect Dark, no. I don't see that coming this year. Either Avowed, I do not see coming this year. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, the game 
games that they've already announced for the first half of the year. I would expect Hellblade 2 in the second half. Maybe there's a few smaller games. Maybe there's another, I know Jeff Grubb kind of alluded towards Tango having a Pentiment in, in size type of game coming from them that potentially could be this year. Uh, it looks like they're going to have a pretty strong uh, partner third party lineup, you know, day one on Game Pass type games. Like, is it Light Your Frontier? I believe is one of the games that they showed last year that should be coming this year. Replace should be coming this year. Those all be on Game Pass Stalker 2. Oh, Stalker 2. Yeah. yeah. That'll also be day one on Game Pass as well. So, Honestly, this should be with the delays, plus what the knock on wood should still have coming here in 2023. All of that should combine to arguably one of the biggest years Xbox has ever had. And I do think they need it after not really having anything last year. They need to be very strong in 2023. And it looks like they're at least going to start the year off right. Force is going to be huge for them. Minecraft Legends, in my opinion, is going to be the surprise out of all of this. Really? Um, I love my yeah, I love Minecraft Dungeons with my no, kids. I'm with you. I yeah. think that's like a sleeper hit. I think people yeah. forget that Minecraft is still like one of the biggest games in the world and continues yep. to be a humongous community. And that is really the first standalone Minecraft game that feels like it has substantial gameplay. I mean, we've gotten a couple things in the past. Dungeons this was feels really like a, good, like a, yeah, This Dungeons feels like a really good. like big game that is going to do well. Like, yes, Dungeons was, was good, but I feel like it didn't like break through. Right? I feel like people played it and liked it and then it was gone. Yeah, it's it's the game that I connect with my kids with. That's yeah. what we'll all hop on and play together. But I, to your point, I don't think it really got that mass appeal that I honestly think it deserves. But maybe Legends will be that. So Legends is, it's a strategy game. Is that what this, a new action strategy game? Yeah. Okay. And it has multiplayer co-op stuff, which I believe that's what they're going to show off at they're this gonna, uh, direct event. Here we go. Insider look into the PvP multiplayer experience. Yep. Okay. Well, I mean, listen, Minecraft is charming as hell. And I think if they put any sort of different kind of gameplay in it, that's different from the actual core gameplay of Minecraft. Like, I'm all in. I just can't get into actual Minecraft. But throw an RPG spin on it, like a RPG game, like a beginning, middle, end. Like, I'm on board. So we'll see. And I know Ree's obviously very excited for Redfall. Oh, yeah. It's like yeah. her game. No reason in particular. Just, you know, I mean, character. And just the person that, you, yeah. Yeah, just I mean, person. you're just going to like build your cosplay. It's okay. I mean, I've been building it for the last 35 years. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <laughs> oh, you mean they've been cosplaying you, I think is what you uh, are insinuating. Mm -hmm, potentially. Student debt and all. <laughs> well, you know, got to make it as real as possible. <laughs> Moving on to our next story. Ubisoft Aww. cancels three unannounced games and yet again delayed Skull and Bones. Take a shot. I think it's becoming historic. Hysterical, and maybe we have to do like some kind of pool about when Skull and Bones is actually going to come out. If we had bet on this before, I would have said it is going to get canceled. So IGN reports that Ubisoft has, for the sixth time, mm. <laughs> delayed Skull and Bones as well as canceled three unannounced titles amid, quote, major challenges you don't say. in the industry. Oh, in the industry. And the underperformance of Mario plus Rabbit, Sparks of Hope, and Just Dance 2023 in an upcoming restructuring. See, that part I mean, is I hard for me to I could have told them buy. that Mario plus Rabbids wasn't going to perform. I mean, that game didn't perform the first time, though it was a critical darling. Well, it was a critical darling a second time. It's just like... What were their I, expectations? Yeah, people don't want that kind of gameplay from either of those franchises. Well, you know what the problem is with Mario plus Rabbids? It's only on the Switch. And obviously with Mario being a major part of it, of course, it's only going to be on the Switch. I think it would have sold a lot more if it would have been across all platforms. So I think that was very limiting for Ubisoft in that aspect. 
It's interesting that you mentioned that because clearly the Switch has no problem selling units. We've talked several times over the last year about just how well games are doing on the Nintendo Switch. I think it's specifically this kind of game that doesn't really appeal to the hardcore Nintendo gamer. I mean, RTS games at their core, you know, are like a, a PC game, right? Like all the most successful ones are on PC. And you're right that... You know, Ubisoft probably should have looked to see, is Nintendo the right partner for this game? Is the Switch the right platform? And clearly the answer was, no, nope. they weren't. Yeah. Which is a bummer because the game is like really cute yeah, and, and really well it. designed. Yeah, it's one of my favorite games of the year. Yeah, absolutely. And I've heard that the the sequel is way better than the first. And for it me, is. you know, right, I will never forget that moment when Miyamoto came on stage at the Ubisoft press conference. It was awesome. And you had the entire industry's attention at that point. But the first Mario Rabbids for me, it just fell short. It just lacked something. And I think for me personally, it was I expected a Mario game and I kind of got a Mario game with a weird mechanic that I really wasn't a huge fan of. It had some sort of charm to it. But when the sequel came out, I don't know if I just wasn't paying attention because of Baby, but I feel like I didn't see enough from the marketing campaign that told me this is different and this has much more quality of life improvements that maybe I would want to check it out. I only heard it from colleagues after the fact that, yeah, it's like really good. There's some really good changes made, but now that time has come and gone and I've moved on. I agree with you on that because I was lucky enough to go to the preview event for it and get hands on with it and play it. And we, you know, we talked about it, but the marketing around it, there wasn't any type of buzz or anything. There wasn't like a commercial on TV that I saw or any, anything big social media campaign surrounding that game. And I think it just came out and nobody knew, <laughs> to be honest with you. So that's unfortunate because it, it was really, really good. It improved upon everything from the first game, which is what you want in a sequel. And I think in my top 10, I think I had it either at five or six. Oh, wow. That's how good it was. Yeah. Well, well shit. shit. So like Xbox, I also was like, okay, so what does Ubisoft have in the pipeline? We don't have to go through everything. Because I feel like, didn't they just delay a whole bunch of games last year? And now they've delayed three more games. And it's interesting. They've canceled, canceled three, that's but they I, were unannounced. Yeah. Which, is not, which doesn't bother me because major publishers do this quite often. They just don't usually talk about it publicly. But apparently Ubisoft wanted to be you know transparent when they were doing this report. But yeah, they have a lot. I mean, you, we could spend the rest of the show just talking about what they have coming for Assassin's Creed. So Yeah. Now, I mean, they have Project Hex, Project Red, you know, the Beyond Good and Evil 2, the Sand of Time remake, Splinter Cell. <laughs> oh, I don't believe that game's ever coming. No, it makes me up. sad every time we talk about it. Because I'm it, done, Ubisoft. <laughs> I'm done with you. Yeah, because if you look at these, like these are strong. Again, like we have AC Mirage, Hex, Red, Beyond Good and Evil 2, Prince of Persia remake, Splinter Cell. They have Project Q, Project U, which I'm like, I don't know. But then the Star Wars game with Massive, right? I feel like that is a solid-ass lineup. If these games would just come out, <laughs> I think they might be sitting pretty. But well, did you say Avatar? the Avatar game. Yeah, and Avatar. Avatar. Like, Avatar is is doing great. I'm hoping that I get to go see it in a movie theater, you know, eventually. <laughs> so hopefully that game does well too because when I saw the gameplay of it, it looked cool. Yeah. So is everyone over Just Dance now? Is Are we at that point where everyone's like, okay, same thing over and over again. We're done. I mean, I was over it a while ago, yeah. but I mean, it continued to keep selling. I think that idea of like motion tracking kind of had its moments and it's going to change. I mean, I'm going to talk you know, when we talk about CES and a little bit about just how many people are talking about like wearables and all that and all that but jazz. But <laughs> as far as gameplay, it kind of feels like gamers aren't really looking for that experience. It's very niche. It feels more gimmicky now. Yeah. So I have a story. Was this 2011? 2011, 2012 E3. It was whenever Connect was the hot thing for Xbox, oh, right? Yeah. 
Now, maybe I'm wrong and it wasn't Just Dance. I feel like it was Just Dance. There is a video, Rihanna, mm-hmm. of me and your husband mm-hmm. dancing. Yeah, I've seen it. Hold on. on. Let me see if I can find this. And, Let me see uh, if I can find this. <laughs> it's, not, it's not good. Ooh, <laughs> it's not I'm good excited. I remember Dance Central on Connect. That was fun. Yeah, if I'm putting Dance, Dance Central, Central versus Just yeah. Dance, Dance, Dance Central, Central has more money was every the partner time. for Xbox. And I know this because... My husband worked for Harmonix, was one of the guys who danced to Dance Central all the time. Mm-hmm. We have a specialty Dance Central 3 Xbox and Connect over in the studio here, still in the box. And we keep moving it around because John's like, we're not getting rid of it. We're keeping the Connect. I was like, I don't want to get rid of the Connect. I loved it. I would love a Connect. Yes, it was definitely Dance Central. Dance Central is fantastic. Actually has storylines and mm-hmm. way better dance moves, in my opinion. It's great for exercise, too. I remember. Very great lost, for exercise. I lost quite a few pounds playing that game. Theory, that's how, mm. why you say, I, I what, what, what did you use to describe me when we dance? I have, I'm raw, but I have potential. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds right. <laughs> You're like, you're raw, but you have potential. And I was like, yes, thank you, you Dance do. Central. You can move. Um, the next story, HBO's The Last of Us reviews call it the greatest video game adaptation ever made. This mm. comes from the Gaming Bible. Now, when Rihanna Manuel Pena was there, and she can tell us a little bit about it in a minute. But at the time of writing, which is January 10th, season one of The Last of Us has landed a very respectable score of 84 on Metacritic and 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. The Telegraph's Ooh. Ed Cumming deemed The Last of Us to be, quote, the greatest video game adaptation ever made. He wrote, in its scale, depiction of dread and its believable vision of friendship and disaster, The Last of Us is a rare piece of television adaptation that makes you want to rush out and play the game. <laughs> Rolling Stones said that The Last of Us essentially is a smarter and much better executed than The Walking Dead with higher production values and a smaller and stronger cast the infected are very gross very scary pretty much everyone is just like all over the last of us nuts which is very it makes me happy because like how often do we get a really good game to fill transition like it doesn't happen but re you were there at the premiere i was and this is my hands-on section so i can talk about it in more detail but i would say everybody's initial reaction i share it so i'll be happy to get in more details and do some q a once we can put a spoiler tag on the conversation but yeah it's very successful adaptation i would put it up there with arcane wow. okay Okay. I think we all expected a lot out of HBO. They rarely miss, right? Especially with a property this big. I think the team at Naughty Dog is aware that gamers are going to come in with very critical eyes looking at this. So I think it's good. This is good news for everybody. Yes. Especially after recent gamer reactions to a one series on Paramount Plus for a certain Master Chief. You know, okay, here's the thing. I didn't hate that okay, series. Okay. No, I didn't hate it. I, again, I you either. have to have the right expectations when you go into this shit. If you go into it expecting some like, oh my God, this is so good, great. If you go into a, a Halo TV series expecting to watch Master Chief want to bang some, I don't know what, I don't even know what happened with that whole series, honestly. I just remember being kind of entertained by it and being like, <laughs> why is Master Chief so horny or is he not horny? I don't know what's happening. Yeah, he it wasn't terrible. It was entertaining enough, but like a good Halo story, I wouldn't say it was that. But that to me is the problem with the series. And I think when The Last of Us comes out here in a few days, it's going to make Halo, the TV show, look even worse in that it strayed so far away from the source material that it wasn't really Halo <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, <sighs> yeah. I, I, yeah. That, that's the disappointment. Not to mention 
seemed like they kind of skimped on the special effects budget in certain places as well. So you have this expectation of what you imagine the Halo universe is going to look like in live action. And it came off like something that you would have seen, you know, on, on the sci-fi channel or something. It just, I don't know. I don't want to rag on it too much. No, no, you're you, all valid points. Maybe with The Last of Us coming to HBO and knocking our socks off, this will set a new bar is what I'd like to say of like, this is what I feel like, you know, look, I look at Netflix's Resident Evil recently and how that was just and that is one series. Even I was like, this is so out there. I don't even know how someone thought this would be a good idea. And I think Resident Evil to me is probably what Halo is to you, Paris. Yeah. So again, I was able to look through both of those with very different eyes. But I hear you. At least we know it can be done. At least we know there can be a good TV <laughs> right. series based off of a video but game we're, IP. We're talking about like one episode though, right? Well, no, I think it's reviewers the, whole had the whole series. Yeah. Oh, they did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, the first couple episodes are good and then it like jumps the shark like <laughs> midway through the season and you're like, oh no, I thought you were going to make it. It was going to be great. Yeah, no. But I think the special effects stuff is the thing I'm really the most interested in to see like how they handle the sections with the clickers. And because I mean, doing the intense drama, like the person to person stuff, I know HBO can do that all day long. They could do it in their sleep, right? But it's the getting the kind of like gameplay stuff, the mm-hmm. fantasy stuff right is like, is it going to look cheesy or bad? Is it going to be good? So, yeah. And one we'll thing see. that I think works in the favor of The Last of Us is it is horror adjacent where they can do a lot of hiding of the effects right it's not action based like halo where Mm. they need to show you these over the top fight scenes and incredible combat and ships exploding in space with sound for some reason because that's how a lot more money (laughs) yeah they can hide a lot of the terror and the effects behind shadowy corners and things like that if the last of us turns out to be what all the reviewers are saying and it's really this high production high quality product that you know is going to appeal to a wide audience I'm very concerned. We already know like Sony, as an example, PlayStation, they're, they're doing like a Horizon series, I believe. We know Bethesda's doing a Fallout series. I think we're going to see start seeing more and more of these copycat adaptations of these video games, which is great. But to the point we we're making before, I now have an expectation of quality. And if these other series aren't coming in at that quality level, you're going to oversaturate the market and people are just going to start tuning out, even the good stuff. You know, ah, it's another one of these crappy video game shows. I'm not watching that, even if it is good. So I have a little concern when it comes to that. And I do believe, I want to say I heard that even Bungie is adopting Destiny as well. So I don't know. It might be great initially, but then it might be too much. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. Well, Uncharted wasn't terrible. And I mean, if the MCU is any kind of a blueprint, there's some people who can get this thing right and repeatedly. Yeah, I don't think Uncharted was terrible. I thought it was a very competent action flick. I thought it was was miscast. I think that's the best way to say it. Yes, of course. Sully was incredibly miscast. And I think young Nathan Drake was miscast as well. It was definitely, they they both were miscast. I'm like, why is Spider-Man hunting treasure? That's all I can think of the entire time. (laughs) It's so tough when you get a face like Tom Holland, who's like known for this really iconic role. And because like the way he played it was not like so different than the way he was playing Peter Parker. Yeah, I think, you know, we need to get an Uncharted film with adult Nathan Drake. Yes. You know, and sadly, I think Nathan Fillion's maybe slightly too old. Yeah, to play about ten him years too young, late in his younger days. Yeah. You know what's interesting so, too is I feel like the anime adaptations tend to knock it out of the park. I've heard nothing but good things about Castlevania. I haven't seen it, and Arcane 
all of you have seen it. You said it's amazing. It's, and Cyberpunk Edge Runners too. Cy- yeah, and I just started that. I'm on maybe episode four. So good. And even Dragon Age Absolution is really great too. So maybe we just try to shift everything to anime. Yeah. Feels like you can keep that fantasy alive in that platform, in that medium. Great voices don't age. Uh-huh. Exactly. That's right. No. <laughs> all right, everybody. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about what we've been playing and what I saw at CES. Stick with us. We'll see you in a minute. Everybody, it is the second segment of the What's Good Games podcast where we talk about what we've been playing and any events that we have been to. But before we get to that, I want to let you know this week's episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. With their new fast and fresh recipes, HelloFresh's latest line of meals featuring robust flavors and filling portions, they're ready in less than 15 minutes. Can you believe it? Enjoy taste and quality done quick with recipes like the falafel power bowls, seared steak and potatoes with Bernays sauce. Mm, that sounds delicious. Or Southwest pork and bean burritos. Plus, you guys, you know there's so many sports happening right now on TV. So when it's time for the game, home gate like a pro with a limited time winning assortment of snacks, appetizers, and shareable sweets. Available at HelloFresh Market. Treat friends and fans to delicious BBQ baby back ribs, chocolate chip brownies, and everything in between. Skip the snowy or rainy schlep, if you're here in California, it's been nothing but rain, to the grocery store and stock up on those snacks, sized desserts, and more at the HelloFresh Market. Simply add these staples and sweets to your weekly order, and they'll arrive at your doorstep along with your meals. So we talk about HelloFresh all the time on the show. I just got a new box. I, in fact, loved my chicken lemon dill soup recipe that I got so much that I had to go buy all the ingredients at the grocery store so that I could try to recreate it. And I've got a hawk on when that recipe is coming back on the menu because I loved it. It was so good. And it just takes the guesswork out of meals, which I honestly think is the most important thing to me because we all get into that fight of, what do you want for dinner? I don't know. What do you want for dinner? I don't know. What are we going to eat for dinner? And then you never end up deciding and you eat popcorn and then you're hungry and angry, don't let that happen to you. Get HelloFresh. You can try America's number one meal kit for yourself by going to hellofresh.com slash whatsgood21 and use code whatsgood21 for 21 free meals plus free shipping. That's hellofresh.com slash whatsgood21 and use our code whatsgood21 for 21 free meals plus free shipping. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I actually love to bake. Yeah, you know, really? that's what started. That's what started the cooking beef with Khalif because I posted a cake that I made and he tried to shit on it. And I'm like, <laughs> hey, 
are you doing? <laughs> I thought it was ribs. No, it started with a cake. I made you a cake. You went after your cake. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh. Wait, why did he go? This, okay, this makes me kind of upset because baking is very difficult. It is. Yes. And I've never seen him post anything no. about baking except his hot takes about oatmeal raisin cookies, which we're going to pin for a moment because I know he has a sidekick in that. Yes, in that he argument. does. We'll get your opinion on it for a moment, but... Okay, so tell me more about baking. How often do you bake? Well, I try to limit it, be, you know, for try to be healthy, not too much sugar in the house and all that stuff. Actually, my wife does it a lot. My wife's always making freaking cookies. Ooh. But me, I usually do it around the holidays. Like, I'll make pies. I'll make various types of cakes, like Thanksgiving, Christmas, oh, stuff pie. like that. Wow. Oh, That's yeah. some advanced yeah. stuff. Pies are no joke. Yeah, I like, I like making sweet potato pie. I yes. like making apple pie. Oh. It's great. Matter of fact, okay. my next baking thing is I'm going to make a seven-layer coconut cake. Oh! Yes. That is intense. Yes, I learned that from... So does that require you to make like seven individual yep. rounds of mm -hmm. cake? Yep. Wow. wow. Yep. Man, good for you. I wish I had the patience to do that. I always in my head, sugar plums and fairies, like I want to start baking, I want to start baking, and then I just I can't. I can't bring myself to do it. I have a hard enough time with HelloFresh. <laughs> By the way, it's a I, lot of tools. Yeah. I went down a rabbit hole, like a very short trip down the rabbit hole before I was like, you know what? This looks like an expensive rabbit hole to be in. I feel like I should claw my way out of this to bake a cake for my baby's first birthday mm. because I, not remembering that our babies, Brittany, were born in the month of May, forgot that also in the month of May is graduation. Oh. graduation. So we're always right forever Easter. going to be competing for mm -hmm. their time when it comes to custom cakes around graduation. So I planned way too late and all the cake makers were like, that's funny, sweetie, that you think that we can get you a cake. No, we've been booked for like six weeks. And I was like, okay, noted for next year that if I want to get a, a custom cake, I have to book it way out in advance. So like, okay, well, I can't like not have a fun cake for my baby's first birthday to do like the cake smash and all that. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to go buy the rounds. And then I bought the fancy cake leveler and then the specialty like frosting tips. Wow. It gets expensive real quick when you start buying baking supplies. Yes, mm -hmm. it does. I was not prepared. That's awesome, Paris. Maybe someday you you can make us a cake. <laughs> we don't want to obligate you, but we would eat it and be grateful. Correct. That's what we're saying. So enough talk about cooking and baking and food. Because now that's what I'm thinking about. <laughs> Let's talk about some video games, what we've been playing. I'm going to just start with the CES stuff so then we can transition into the games that y'all are playing. So CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, is the largest of its kind in the world. But they're still coming back online from the pandemic. They had a slow year. And I'm using air quotes for everybody listening on podcasts. Their slow year was still over 100,000 attendees. Ooh by the way, and their big years are close to 220 and upwards thousand, 220,000 attendees, by the way, if I, if I didn't I make didn't that I didn't realize this show it was is so big. That's what huge. She's, yeah. yeah, it's a massive show, and it was even more massive this year because they decided to spread the show out. And I thought that it was going to be, you know, better. And it was. It definitely felt like the show floor at the Las Vegas Convention Center didn't feel as crowded, which was great. But it meant that it was harder to get to things. So for people who have been to Las Vegas and maybe have attended a convention, CES doesn't just take up the entire Las Vegas Convention Center. It takes up the convention center at Mandalay Bay the convention center at the Venetian. They also did the convention center at the Aria. 
and the convention center at the Wynn. So we're talking five different major locations for all of the things happening. That's just how gigantic this show is. And there's everything from car tech to smart homes and, of course, their biggest thing, televisions, which is what everyone wants to see at CES. And they do have a little sliver of gaming stuff there. And it used to be bigger back in the day, but I uh, decided to go and check it out. And I got to play some cool things. So the first thing that I wanted to mention was the HTC Vive XR Elite headset. Did anybody see the press release around this brand new pro-sumo headset coming from HTC Vive? So Vive, of course, has been in VR for a while, and they have decided to kind of take some of their learnings and they're like, hey, we're going to make something that is taking the tech that is more enterprise and private company level and bringing it more to market. And it's interesting that we're seeing some VR companies do this. I definitely don't want to even intimate that VR is dead because it's not. It's it's still alive and well. We're about to see PSVR 2 come to market next month. But I think it's changed. And I think that people's appetite to spend money on a dedicated headset has also changed. And I'm going to be curious to think to see kind of how this does when it eventually comes to market. So the announced price point was $1099, so hmm. $1,100. By the time you're buying accessories and games and stuff, you're probably spending well over $1,200. So this is like no small Sheep. investment. And what I think is interesting about it is that they are kind of splitting between the high power of PC VR, the things that you connect directly into your PC, your tower that take advantage of the onboard processing and your graphics card and all that. And the like things like Quest 2, which are fully wireless. You have like a little battery pack and you get some really great immersive VR experiences, but they're definitely like less fidelity, not as high powered. The visuals aren't as crisp and all that. And they're kind of split in the middle there. But the price point is the thing that I'm like, hmm. I don't understand who is going to buy this. Like, who is this for exactly? Especially with the things that I saw there. So I got to do a couple of different demos. And one of them was this canoeing game where they have these wrist straps that were unveiled last year for the Vive that you can essentially attach to any device and the headset tracks them. So you could put them on like a baseball bat, do that, or virtually any kind of object that you can clamp these things to. And they just clamped it to a kayak paddle. And I was like, this is cool, but like, why... Why do I want to do this? And I twelve hundred dollars a fucking canoe <laughs> in your living room, I mean, yeah, like, with yes. children and electronics. <laughs> I must feel a seagull shitting on my head to make this as realistic for twelve hundred fucking dollars. And that's the thing. I absolutely see where this could be life changing for a very specific group absolutely. of people. Absolutely, when you think about people who are mobily impaired or other people with disabilities who are trying to have these virtual experiences. I think that those are really awesome things, but it's such a small percentage of the population that is going to be using and accessing those in a way that is going to, I think, feel meaningful that I'm still like, I don't understand like why this is still a thing. I played a game which took advantage of the pass-through. So this headset has a pass-through, which means that when you have the headset on, there's a mode you can see through like you're wearing a set Mm -hmm. of regular glasses. And there's a couple of the headsets that have this now. The fidelity just isn't good enough, I think, to justify the cost. And the experiences just aren't fun enough to justify the cost. So I played a game where they showed me I was playing up against a wall and it opened up these portals on the wall and some aliens came through and I was using one of my hands to like shoot them. And I'm like, as somebody who plays a lot of video games, 
And I've been covering games a long time and covering VR for a long time. I was just really disappointed. Like, it just didn't feel mm. fun enough. I was like, this is not a headset selling game that you're showing me. And it was tough because I was talking to the developers about it. And like, so are you going to add like another hand? Because I literally was using one hand and then my other hand was just kind of like dead at my side doing nothing. Mm. I was like, what am I What am I doing here? If this isn't at least matching Beat Saber, why are you even showing me this game right now? I don't understand. Huh. <laughs> I don't understand what this demo is. And it was tough because the headset was the lightest headset I've ever put on. It was super light. You could take it off. You could wear it with the battery pack, wear it without. And the big thing I saw at CES was this idea of mixed immersion is what they're calling it, technology, where they're combining virtual reality with augmented reality. So you hear a lot about VR and AR. AR, yeah. AR has really kind of been on the wayside for a while because it's only been private enterprise that has been investing in AR because the only experiences that have been really compelling that we've seen so far are things like Pokemon Go, right? Hell yeah. <laughs> and most people turn the AR off for that game, right? They're like, hey, use too much battery power and <laughs> turn it off. And so I was really surprised to see a lot of people talking about mixed immersion reality. And you know, Paris is someone who has a lot of enthusiasm for the, the tech scene and a lot of experience, obviously, talking about tech and PC gaming. I'd be curious to hear your opinion on where you think this is going and if you think that this is like what's we should just keep expecting more of this. So it's interesting. And, and Alex should take you back to 2020. I was going to get a Valve Index at the time because Half-Life Alex was coming out. I was always very hesitant with VR. I go, I, I'm not going to invest in the 1.0 product. I'm going to wait until 2.0. And I kind of felt like Valve Index and Half-Life Half Alex was that, that opportunity. Pandemic happened. I go, let me save my money. I didn't buy it. And it was interesting that you're saying even this, this headset coming out is $1,200. And it seems like it's even more limited than what the Valve Index currently is. I'm not getting a Valve Index. I definitely would not get this device at $1,200. I am going to get the PlayStation VR 2. Mm -hmm. I feel like I understand it's still pricey, even at that price point. I believe it's, what, $550. But I do want to invest in it somewhat so I can start having some VR experiences. Obviously, PlayStation coming with the Horizon Call of the Mountain. Beat Saber is going to be on PlayStation VR 2. I can't imagine Valve does not port Half-Life Alex over over to that product. So that at least kind of dips my toe into VR. Like like you just mentioned, AR is is coming. We know that Apple is working on something. I know Microsoft, I got to test out HoloLens when when they were kind of experimenting with like Minecraft and Halo and things like that. And I think they've shifted HoloLens over to more of a consumer product now. But the point that you made earlier about VR being able to enable people with disabilities to have these experiences. I kind of think that's what Facebook was trying to meta, whatever the heck you're calling it now. What they're trying to do is that's their whole purpose on the, on a consumer front. So I don't think it's dead. I just think the tech still isn't where it needs to be. Like you mentioned, the fully wireless version of it right now does not compete with the wired version of it, right? There's limitations. I think right. when the wireless version can actually catch up to that and you have this full fidelity and you have that complete freedom, there's long battery life, things like that, and the price comes down, I think that's when you'll see more consumers jump in and start investing into it. But until then, it's, it's just going to be a niche product. Uh, there's just no way around it. 
I'm with you in the sense that I want to get the PSVR 2 because there are known experiences coming to that platform that I want, like Horizon you mentioned, and I admittedly want to play Resident Evil Village in VR. I want to see Lady D's assets up close and personal. But yeah, you know, it's interesting because I feel like we've, on what's good anyway, we've had this conversation time and time again, like the technology's not there yet, technology's not there yet. And I'm so out of touch with that. I wonder when is it going to get to that point or are our expectations going to continue growing as we see technology advance that it'll never catch up to where we think we need it. But Andrea, I'd like to know, because I know you just talked about this recently, that you got motion sickness when you played VR at home. Did you get that at all at CES? So I didn't get any motion sickness, thankfully. The big experience that I did that was fully virtual was the seated kayak experience. And I think the fact that I was sitting down Mm -hmm. had a lot to do with it. And also that I wasn't teleporting through the space, because that's been something that has always been like a throughput when I look at the experiences that have made me motion sick. Mm. It's when I'm using like the teleport yeah. option in games versus like a fixed camera. And here I was like, I was like gliding along this like beautiful like river where I'm just like, you know, like essentially like paddling myself. And I think the fact that I was like doing this physical motion with my arms helped. And then everything else that I did was more a mix of VR and AR. And so I didn't get any any motion sickness there. It's just like, I'm trying not to like undersell how interesting it is that there's this pass-through mode. And like the pass-through was much better on this, than this headset than I've seen like on the Quest 2 or anything else. But I'm still not going to be sold on trying to do something virtually. Like I, one of the demos I did, they're like, look at when you're wearing the XR Elite, you can work in a virtual office space and you can like touch your keyboard and... <laughs> type on your keyboard and look at your virtual screens. I'm like, but why would I want to do that? Why would I want to be wearing a headset on my face, (laughs) looking at virtual computer screens, typing on a real keyboard when I can just take the headset off and look at the actual computer screens? Like, I don't understand a use case for this. I don't care what kind of fancy office you put me in in the background <laughs> like because like having like a weird avatar of my coworker there in the virtual space is not cool to me I'm like this is weird like I don't like it I mean if anybody on, that's on this show right now can explain to me like what would be cool about that I would love to hear it, but like I don't understand it and I didn't want to insult the, this poor person giving me the demo but I was the whole time I was thinking why am I doing this this is dumb I mean I see it as if it's necessary right like if you are like we've said this before if you're an architect and you need to see this 3D environment and it's impossible for you to manipulate things on a screen traditionally or if you're a surgeon and you're doing telesurgery and you need to be able to zoom in and find a capillary and tie it off without going there physically. Like, like if it's necessary, I can absolutely see this being incredible technology. Nobody wants to wear anything on their face. We don't want to wear our glasses. They literally showed me like a computer screen with email on it. Like we literally don't even want to wear our glasses. I take my glasses off all the time at home. Like nobody wants to wear anything on their face at home in front of a computer. It's hard enough to get people to put a mask on their face when they need to. Like it's just not, it's not convenient. And it's not comfortable. Videos. Yeah, I still, I still got the the VR light. Oh no, on my face, <laughs> man! Despite this being the lightest headset on the market, oh. I like, I, and I don't know if it's just because I have like a comically small head <laughs> or what, but like, because I watched several other outlets' coverage, because I was like, I was reading other people's coverage, being like, 
am I just, you know, like not understanding how cool the tech is? I mean, the tech is cool. I'm just like, well, I could think of a lot of ways I would rather spend this money than spend it on on this. I'm just, and like, I'm with you, Paris, that I'm interested in PSVR 2. I really am because the PSVR was my favorite VR experience of all the ones that I tried. Despite that Meta Quest 2, like with its wireless capabilities was pretty liberating. I still like thought that PSVR was the most comfortable, but I'm just like, I don't, I don't know, man. Putting something on my face for a long period of time doesn't seem fun. I think for me, it's just... That's just kind of yeah, where I'm at. I just need the experience. With, uh, with VR. I just need a good experience that makes it worth it. And until that happens... I mean, I played a lot of scary games in VR, and it's a fucking cool experience. It's terrifying, but it's cool. But yeah, you know, I'm not about to drop $1,200 for that. To confirm, it is ten ninety nine. Like yeah. the, the price isn't isn't $1,200. i am just saying by the time yeah, you buy... all the stuff. All the stuff right. you buy, taxes and all yeah. that is probably closer. But I do want to mention... The M-Rail experience I did, talking about augmented reality and um, mixed reality experiences. So Canon, known for making cameras and lenses and uh, a whole bunch of other things regarding video and photography, had a unique activation at CES with M. Night Shyamalan's Knock on the Cabin. Knock at the Cabin, his new movie that's coming out. And they had their immersive M-Real headset. And this was really interesting because we didn't, instead of putting it on your face, which you can do and be hands-free, we held it up with like these two little wands, almost like you were like looking through like binoculars huh? or something. Hmm. And we walked around this house and there was this experience where you would like look at a wall and there would be things and there was an actor from the movie like in the house with you that you could see and then you would take the headset away and the actor would be gone. You put it back up to your face and like there he would be just like in front of your face and I was like, oh, this is kind of a cool experience. So like Google Glass but, but without like with hands instead? Yes, <laughs> but they, they have a head strap that you can like wear it but nobody was showing a Google Glass glass type thing where it was light enough weight you literally just put it on like glasses right. so you just like wear it and then that's so it's that. like a, that we're not was it like a masquerade mask <laughs> you like <laughs> yes oh. yes it was okay and i guess the the idea is that you so you could pull it down and pull it off easily and get that this isn't here if you take the mask off because i feel like i don't want to yeah. lock her <laughs> some shit up to my face that's worse than a thing strapped to my face but okay yeah it was an interesting experience because that technology the emerald is they said enterprise only hmm. meaning they're not bringing that to market for consumers hmm. they're like going into like the automotive markets the medical markets military all yes. that there's a lot of people talking about mixed mixed immersion reality and i just like uh, i still keep thinking who's gonna buy it but apparently the united states government that's who yeah <laughs> you know it was that makes responsible sense. for the t-virus outbreak partly the united <laughs> states government i'm just saying it sounds like resident yes. evil and, uh, i want to i want to quickly talk about one last thing from ces just because i was i went in so skeptical on this thing and i came out so impressed the pod that i have to make a little nod so Razer, everybody knows who Razer is. They've been making PC tech for a long time. Mm -hmm. They make PCs. They debuted quite a few things at CES this year. I'm not going to talk about all of it. But one of the cool things that they showed was the V2 Pro Leviathan soundbar that had 3D audio using AI technology. I heard this description and I was like, this sounds absolutely ridiculous. AI technology with sound is always going to be mediocre at best because AI technology just isn't sophisticated enough to do the kind of things that everyone wants it to. I mean, heck, even Alexa 
which has been around for a while, and Siri don't get it right most of the time, right? And they have a shit ton of data going into those AI systems. And so I was like, this can't possibly be that cool. But you know what? I know the folks at Razor. They're real nice. Let me go check it out anyway. And boy, oh boy, was I almost literally blown away by how Ooh. good the sound on this thing was. So I admittedly was in like a soundproof booth inside the show floor. So I was in a really great environment to fully hear what it sounded like. And at its base level, it's just a really great sound bar. It is beefy. It's very big. If anybody has a Sonos sound bar, it's almost equal in size, but it's like a little bit shorter but thicker mm. than what Sonos is doing for their for their television sound bars. And it comes with a big old subwoofer. So that, of course, from like a footprint size will give you an idea of just how much power this can output. When we were inside this room, they told me we only ever recommend you use 30 to 50 percent power because <laughs> It can go the 100% power. Brittany, are you okay? <laughs> I'm great. I'm good. Do you uh, have something you would like to share with the class? No, Sensei. We're good. Continue on about your big, girthy, meaty, powerful <laughs> bar. <laughs> your, your thick and powerful sound. Yeah, It's thick and powerful sound that blew me away. Yes. Okay, I see where you're going with this. I want to try to keep going here so we don't get too Can, can I admit I didn't get it because I was like literally listening to her and I was enthralled, <laughs> but then uh, now I get it. Uh, and that's all I can think about. Welcome to What's Good Games, Thank Paris. You, Paris. Welcome. Welcome. Glad to Thank have you, you here. <laughs> Rhea and I are like so, making eyes, right? Like, <laughs> Paris, sweet summer child over here. I know, a little innocent boy. I didn't really understand, you know, like what, like what... What was all the, the specs and like the hubbub about it? Because I've never had a soundbar on my PC before. I literally do like headphones exclusively. And I think that just comes from years of video production and audio production. You don't edit video typically with a soundbar or speakers. You like have cans on so that you can hear everything and everything that's being mixed. So I was like, okay, I'm interested to check this out. Because I don't also don't game with a speaker on my PC, which is weird because when I game on my couch, I'm like, I rarely am using headsets. Mm. I'm almost mm. always using, like, our soundbar. I was so impressed at this 3D audio tech. Like, it's almost hard to describe how wild it is. Imagine sitting down at a computer and being, like, three feet away or whatever from a little speaker underneath your monitor. But when you turn it on, it feels like you're wearing surround sound headphones, but there's nothing on your head. Mm. Mm. And they literally hit like the button, like the 3D button on the speaker. They're like, listen to it without. And you're like, oh, this is like a really nice like speaker. It sounds really good. The audio is good. And then they hit the button and it's like, it goes around your head. Like the sound just match. It was like there was like those 5.1 speakers yeah. behind you for anybody who's actually like sat in a room where you have like the speakers over your shoulders. But there was no speakers back there. <laughs> I was like, how are they doing this? Is this some kind of weird wizardry magic? Like what's and happening? That sounds really cool. Cool. Did they talk about the range? Like, how many people can fit within this invisible bubble of sound? Not okay. many. So the range is about four feet. Mm. Oh, <laughs> so, so it's PC, not from TV. From the speaker. Got it. Okay. Yes. It's definitely not television. This is clearly designed for people who are listening to audio on their computer. And we actually did a demo of Resident Evil Village hey. with the soundbar and you know got lots of fun like crazy crunchy <laughs> sounds and fire and screams and all that <laughs> in the background which was cool but it was like almost life-changing listening to music wow. on this thing not that I sit at my PC and listen to music but man with that speaker I probably I probably would because it sounded that good but boy oh boy is that 
price point, something that I wasn't prepared for. I was going to ask. Um, so the new soundbar, the Leviathan V2 Pro, the world's first beaming soundbar with head tracking AI technology, partnered with THX. Buttering you up, by the way, and is three ninety nine. Oh, but is that really $400. crazy? Hundred dollars. But is that really crazy? I mean, when you think about like the Astro A50s, brand new, they're three hundred. No, you're not. You're yeah. not wrong. Yeah. It's not that crazy. It's not. If you're only going to be listening to it via soundbar. But the thing that's missing that the Astros have is a microphone. That is true. Also, Mm -hmm. the fact that you can't. Right? So I think about people who are gaming multiplayer. The portability of the soundbar. Yeah, you can't use it anywhere but a few feet away from you. But it sounds cool. Yeah. And like the subwoofer is beefy, it was Mm -hmm. very big. And like the, the, Soundbar itself, I'll I'll post, I thought I posted photos online, but if I didn't, I'll I'll make sure to post them before the podcast comes out. It's not small. Like, it's probably 40 inches long. Oh, wow. Like, it's, oh, yeah, it's, it's big. So bigger than most average monitors if you're using a multi-monitor setup. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely worth the investment, especially if you're someone who likes to play on their PC, you don't like to wear shit on your head, like, go on with your bad self, absolutely. I mean, I would love to get something like that, but I mean, I'm like you, I'm only here to work on my PC and I wear a headset to do shit, so... I mean, and it provides amazing quality sound if you want it f- to, like, fill a yeah. room if you're, like, having a party or you, like, want to bump some, like, you know, football right. or whatever you're watching, right? Like, the overall sound quality was really phenomenal. And, of course, it's got, you know, the Razer Chroma RGB integration. <laughs> like me some RGB integration um, and a bunch of other, like, bells and whistles that come along with it. But, I mean, I just wanted to give them a shout out for, like, how cool the tech is. Like, the head tracking part of it, I mean, I would have to do a much more extensive test to to track that but just sitting right in front of it and getting this crazy 3d audio experience was something i'd never listened to before were you so in a small booth it was really cool where the audio where the sound waves could bounce off of shit behind you or were you just in the wide open no no we were in a soundproof oh, room. Okay. but they showed me both modes and they kept they would, could toggle the button on and off and you could absolutely hear the difference mm-hmm. and then i would get up and stand further back and then get closer and i tried to like move around the room as much as Got i it. could but it was absolutely like a a very soundproof. It was the optimal experience for testing. Makes sense. This okay. audio. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could say for me, like, look, because I looked it up as well and I'm looking at it. It's all cool and great in concept. And I don't think the price is outrageous for what it is. But in my house, non-starter. The second I would be <laughs> yeah. in here blasting something on the speaker and, and my wife would be in here in two seconds. What are you doing? Put on headphones. So I would just keep on headphones. Fair. Yeah. But if you have the right setup, yeah. it's a really cool piece of tech. That's some of the stuff I saw at CES. If you guys want to see some of my other videos, I posted a bunch of stuff on my Instagram at Andrea Renee underscore and my TikTok at Andrea Renee. If you want to check out some of the cool stuff I saw at CES. But Rihanna, yes. let's talk quickly spoiler free okay. about The Last of Us HBO. So you went to the premiere. I went to the premiere. It, it was a very rainy evening here in Southern California. So luckily we were able to get our hands on some umbrellas as we were trekking across <laughs> many different streets downtown. But um, we were uh, invited, thank you to HBO for sending us an invite to go see the premiere of episode one down at the Regency Theater in mm-hmm. LA. And, you know, the stars came out. Uh, we saw Nick Offerman. We had the showrunners Neil Druckmann of course was there mm-hmm. lots of folks uh, friends of the the show ha- ha- popped in here and there and everybody was coming to see episode one now 
we've talked earlier in this show about reviewers who saw many episodes. I've only seen the first one. So please take my reaction and my review, my thoughts with a grain of salt because I have not seen the entire series yet. But I will say spoiler free. If you have played the game, it is impossible to watch the show spoiler free. I guess that's probably the easiest way to say it. It is. Wait, I don't understand. If you've if you've played the game, do you mean if you have not played if the game? If you have played the game, it the show is incredibly faithful to the story in the game. Okay, so if you haven't played the mm-hmm. game and you watch the show, it's going to spoil yes. the game. Okay. And vice versa. If you well, I mean, I feel like that's a given though. Well, right? I mean, Never if you know. watched Halo, oh. you probably wouldn't be Paris. spoiled for the story in Halo. Just giving that example once again. Uh, I see a hand in the the class here. I find that fascinating what you just said, because they clearly just, you know, they just remade The Last of Us Part One. It's coming on PC early this year. I've always thought that the show would be the thing to capture a new audience to now go pick up The Last of Us Part One on PlayStation 5 or PC. But what you're saying is they're going to watch the show. Oh, yeah. Let me go pick up the game. Well, shit. This is the same damn game I already played. I I don't know if I can curse on there. I'm sorry if I did. But have you heard (laughs) me the entire podcast? Yeah, you're right. So it's okay. So I have heard, though, that there have been some some changes, especially to certain characters that if you played the game, you're well aware of in order to make it work better for television and add a more impactful you know what. So right. Yeah. So oh. what you get in the in the show is more time with people that you didn't play with or as. Mm. So you get to see different elements of the story, different plot points, you know, even whole different interactions that maybe were only referenced in passing or you only had a short flashback to. You get to see point of view of characters that you never get to see or play as in the game. So it does give you more elements to the story, but it's the same story. Mm-hmm. It, that's that's kind of the best way I can describe it. So would it be fair to say that Joel and Ellie's story from the game is intact, but this is almost like a director's cut where you're getting an extension to some of the side characters that you would meet in the game. Yeah, that's fair to say. This is, again, so far based on specifically my time with episode one and what I know of people who have reviewed the rest of the series. You get time with Joel and Ellie, of course, but it's split a little bit more amongst other characters. So it's Mm. not only Joel and Ellie. Whereas in the game, of course, those are the only two people you can play as. Minus in the very beginning, the prologue, you play as Sarah for a few few minutes um, Mm -hmm. in the game. But it does feel different. I will say that. So... Uh, For people who've heard me talk about The Last of Us, you've heard me talk about my feelings about (laughs) apocalyptic games in general. I'm not a huge fan. And I liked the show a lot. I'm excited to watch the rest of it. So for me, it definitely brought all of those incredible cinematic moments, all of the really strong storytelling beats, all of the motivations and drama between the different characters. But it didn't feel so hopeless. And in the game, I'm just not a survival game person. I don't like, you know, rarity of, you know, ammo or I don't have any weapons and I just have to hide for four hours straight. That's not my that's not my (laughs) ideal form of (laughs) gameplay. So I got to experience The Last of Us without all of the stress. And I find that this story works better for me as a passive experience as opposed to an active one. And I know there may be other people like me who may enjoy the show more than the game. There may be other people who, as you mentioned, Paris, a use case, have never played the game and might think they like the game after they've seen the show and try to go back and play it and find otherwise. But 
who knows? You know, time will tell. But, but I will say the the changes that Naughty Dog made with the remake of part one, I think have made it much more approachable. I mean, we have commended them on their accessibility Very design. True. That's true. Multiple times. And I think now is the best time to play that game because, yeah, when that game first came out, it was yeah. brutal. I mean, it was brilliant, but brutal. And now it's much easier to play because you can turn a bunch of levers that make it not so brutal for from a gameplay perspective. Yeah, I mean, and really I definitely did that in The Last of Us Part Two uh, with the accessibility features when that game released. I crawled through almost the last five hours on my belly yeah. so that the enemies <laughs> couldn't see me because I was so sick of playing it, but I wanted to know what happened. <laughs> I get it. I'm going to be really curious to Paris's point earlier to see what the sales of The Last of Us look like after the show because I think about The Witcher, but I think why that was maybe, I don't know for sure, that was so successful because that told a s- Stories of Geralt that we had ever, only really ever heard in passing during The Witcher, right? The Butcher Blaviken. Like, that was a really cool thing, but you never actually got to see that acted out. At least I don't think you did in the game. And so what... No, it wasn't because it was a book It was a book only thing, thing. Yeah. yeah. And the books are phenomenal. So by people watching HBO and then they're hopping into The Witcher game, they get to experience Geralt in a new way, shape, and form, right? And so to them, that's probably very exciting. And then word of mouth spreads, et cetera. But because it is like a almost one-to-one. I mean, I'm being dramatic probably when I say that, but I'd be curious to see what those sales look like. I'd say it's much closer to -to one-to-one than any other adaptation you've seen. Okay. Okay. Then bringing it to PC, I think, is at the right time, right? Because not everyone's going to buy a PlayStation just to play this game because they like the HBO series, but they've already got a gaming PC. Or Steam Deck. What did they say? March? Is it March that's coming to PC? I believe. That's a question I have to Google. As you Google it, I'm pretty sure it's March, but that's... That's about when the show would be wrapping up. So right, because it, be it releases timing. every March Sunday. 3rd. Yeah. March 3rd. March 3rd. This Sunday. Yeah. Well, there yeah. you go. Well, thank you so much. I mean, I think we all in this podcast were excited <laughs> to to watch yes. this show. So you're not twisting anyone's arm, and I think in a specific direction. But glad to hear that it's good and not you know dookie because it's not suck. dookie. Um, and I will say the the cast is fantastic, and I won't get into any details about who or what or why, but. They are all so, very good. And we actually do have one of the actors from the game playing their character in Marlene. So if you're a fan of her character, you get to see her in yeah. real life. So, Ree, can you do me one favor, though? Sure. Can you talk to HBO <laughs> and let them know to never invite Danny Pena to any of that stuff again? <laughs> you know, well, how I, did I know? Wow. You know, it was, <laughs> wow. It was, I just knew. I knew it. Something <laughs> That'd be hard because then I can't go. So, <laughs> Boy, what oh, I'm really trying to Harris. what I'm really trying to say is invite me. I want to go. <laughs> oh, we'll argue for a plus two. Well, next let's time. transition into talking about another <laughs> Sony game that you are playing on PC that isn't The Last of Us Part One, but is Spider-Man Miles Morales or any of these other games that you played. So you have quite a quite a diverse gamut here of games that you've been playing. So here. so it's interesting when, when I made the list, you know, when we knew we were doing the show. You can update the list, yeah, by I the way. I should have updated it. But I I went on gaming hibernation during the holidays. I did not touch a game for two weeks Whoa. because I feel like I'm Good I'm playing you. games fifty other weeks out of the year. Let me Hell take yeah. two weeks off. So I've only just now started picking back up gaming again. But right before the holidays, yeah, I was playing High on Life because that obviously had had come out around that time. So playing High on Life on Xbox and it surprised me how much I loved it. 
if you're into that Justin Roiland, Rick and Morty type of humor, it, it's absolutely brilliant. The one thing that I did do with that game over the holidays is I went to the theater and I watched the the T Rex movie from start to finish. Like I just literally sat and watched the whole thing. It was hilarious. But uh, I played that, like you alluded to, PC-wise. Sony came out with uh, Miles Morales, Spider-Man Miles Morales on PC. So I'd been playing that on PC, just replaying again. I just absolutely adore that game. It's a short experience. It's almost like a glorified expansion from from the first Spider-Man game. But I just loved the story that they told from Miles' point of view. And even playing it, I think it's like the third time I've done the ending. But even that ending, again... It always gets me. It always makes me almost tear up, you know, Aww. what to say. And I don't want to spoil it for anybody. But I um, really love that experience. If anything, it just got me very excited for Spider-Man 2, which will be coming later this year. Now, the other game that I started playing again, and I'm, I have picked back up since I uh, heard uh, after the holiday break, is Hades. So when yes. Hades came out, yeah, when it came out, I just did one initial run through, got distracted by 10,000 other things, never went back to it. And I know the real game doesn't start until you start, you know, doing doing a bunch of clears. So I picked that back up again and I'm loving it. And it was such a treat during the game awards to see that Hades 2 was coming out. I was like, yes, I'm playing this game again. I can't now I can't wait for Hades 2 to come out. So that's probably been the main three things that I've been playing. And obviously we know uh, a bunch of stuff is is about to come here in the next week or couple weeks. So right back on it again, back on the grind. Yeah, Hades is on my list and I'm trying to decide because I've had it installed on my Switch like since it came out, like on Switch. But now that I have a Steam Deck, I'm like, do I buy it on Steam Deck instead and play it there? Yeah, Ree, how come? Supergiant earned it. Like it's a fantastic game. And it the game literally doesn't start until you beat it. Like it's you can play that game for so long. But like why Steam Deck versus Switch? bigger screen you're gonna want a bigger screen oh fair yeah. that's fair but it is heavier and has less battery than the the well, switch does. i mean if it's good enough for vampire survivors in dreamlight valley i guess i forgot Listen, to mention that you know what vampire survivors paris you're also yes. playing that like i <laughs> i like it's a problem now and i knew it was gonna be a problem we got her, ladies and gentlemen <laughs> You got you got me. And I don't like roguelikes. I fucking hate roguelikes. I really do. And this is why I'm like putting off Hades because I know that I'm, it's going to get me too. But it's real good. So Paris, tell me about your vampire survivors experience. How many hours are you in? And that's a good question. I don't know exact hours. It's definitely around 100. Has Whoa, to be. Amazing. Um, it's so funny because again, Rihanna, your husband, Danny Pena, I'll, I'll never forget. We were doing the whole game awards voting stuff. And he put Vampire Survivors on there for Game of the Year. And I'm thinking, what? What? Why'd you put that on there? That that game? Really? That don't make any sense. And and that just stuck in my head. I I saw Phil Spencer talking about it. So all these people talking about it online. I'll never forget one Saturday morning. I'll go, you know what? Let me just just pick it up and, and play it. Instant. Instant. I got hooked. I was like, oh, my God. I get it. I get it. This game is great. And I have not stopped playing it since. It was the holiday break that actually broke my addiction. I have not picked it up since in 2023. But I know the second I pick it back up again, I'm going to be hooked all over again. Its simplicity will pull you in. But once you start understanding the advanced ways to upgrade and some of the strategies you can do with the various powers you can get and everything, 
It's so addicting. And the irony is the guy that made it used to make casino games. Oh. So it, 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 it makes total sense. It all makes sense It makes sense total now. sense because you're just completely addicted to it. Yes. And, and I'll say, and I'll say to, to the people that pick it up or whatever, yes, when you first pick it up, lean on garlic. Garlic will be your crutch. But once you get to advanced- Oh, you're a garlic no, guy. Not, not I, anymore. I feel like garlic is very divisive. Not anymore. I don't what? use garlic. It, it's a crutch. You don't need it. Oh my God, garlic plus heart, garlic plus heart. You don't, you don't need it. Mm. You don't need it. There's advanced strategies. I've never used heart. Yeah. Never once used heart. There's a, there's a certain evolve that it requires me to always use garlic and heart. But it's so good. Uh, what, which, what, what is it? Why are you well, Because it makes this entire like huge black vortex around you where nobody can enter it without you stealing their life. Wait, what's the evolve? Yeah. So certain combinations of a weapon plus a buff will eventually evolve when you level them up past number five. So you level them up five times. Of course. So like if you get certain combos together, like I can't remember if it's like like the lightning ring and the candelabra, then it makes this incredible, like the entire screen turns to lightning and it wipes everybody out. Yeah. Every few seconds. So like if you can get these certain combos, if you look in the grimoire in your menu while you're playing, it'll show you like question mark plus question mark equals question mark. Once you start leveling up those combos of, let's say, candelabra and lightning ring, then you'll see what the combo can actually become and what the ultimate power weapon is. And then you have to get those two things and level them up to number five in order for you to get the ultimate power weapon. Interesting. So I've never, like, I mean, I like, I'll fuck with the candelabra every now and again, but I always go like all All damage. damage all the time. So I don't really like mess around too much with any of the like passive buffs. When you get to the point where you can literally just stop moving and you just sit there and it's mm-hmm. just you're just killing everything. That's yeah. when you know you made it. I but I, but I got cocky one time with it where I was like at 29 minutes and whatever. Oh, no, you got, and I'm oh, like I got I mean, this. The waves at the yeah. end are intense. So Brittany that I, if you nerds. remember from our All conversation last week. <laughs> <laughs> But you have to try it, Brittany, and you'll you understand. You will. Trust me. But like, remember when it. I said at 30 minutes, everybody yes. dies? Yeah. So like, you get to the 28-minute mark, and you get real cocky. You're like, I'm, I've got this. No problem. But the game knows yes. this. And so between 29 <laughs> minutes and 30 minutes, it's wild, the amount of ads it throws at you. It's like there's no free space on screen. It's just mm-hmm. enemies charging at you constantly. And you're like, I got this, I got this. And then you start sweating at like 29, 30 seconds. You're like, oh my God, maybe I don't got this. I just got to hold on. You're like counting down the seconds in your mind. You're like, okay, 29, 28. I got this. Where's some, where's some ground chicken? Ground I got chicken. this, I got this. It's the chicken. That's the thing that you pick up and it gives you, it gives you health. But by the time you get to that point, you've already maxed out everything you've picked up and everything you pick up then just unlocks more, <laughs> more health buffs. But yeah, it's, oh my God. it's intense. I, so this is cool. I mean, this is like end game yeah. stuff, right? Like Brittany asked me when we were doing the show, she's like, so why keep playing once you've done a single clear? Oh, yeah. This is why. That's just the beginning. <laughs> it really is. Oh Lord. What? What do you mean? It's just new levels beginning. and new unlocks yes. and there's secrets on yes. every map. Yeah. Yeah. DLCs out now. Yeah. It's just me. And I've not played the DLC. See, I'm afraid to play. I already know it. Deal. I start playing it. I'm, <laughs> I'm gone. That's all I'm playing again. <laughs> and this is the game that's like between $3.99 yep. and $9.99. Depending Criminally on where you buy it. under. Man. 
underpriced <laughs> or free on Xbox Game Pass. Yeah, I mean, even when on kind of funny when we just did our Game of the Year episode, it it came in tied at number eight, and I actually had it number four on my list for Game of the Year. That's how good it is. Wow. Great, Try cool, it it. cool. It's not like we have a Fire Emblem game come out, a Dead Space remake coming out, <laughs> Persona three and four next week. We got all the time in the world to play Vampire. Play Survivors. it now because it's so you can get it out of the way. I'm nah, telling man, you, I'm ballsy, but another game I can't talk about yet, but. As soon as I'm done with that, actually, no, then I got Fire Emblem next week. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, garlic. <laughs> oh, fuck you, garlic, indeed. Oh, my goodness. Well, listen, let's take one more quick break because when we come back, Paris, we've got some Uh-oh, questions I'm for afraid. You from our community. <laughs> and hopefully, they're not about oatmeal raising cookies or Let's hope. Stick with us, everybody. We'll be right back. Everybody, it is the third segment of the What's Good Games podcast, and we have a special guest, which obviously you've been hearing him all show, the one, the only, Paris Lily. So, Paris, what would you consider your official title these days? I have no idea. I literally have no idea. I just say creator at this point. I don't I don't know, because obviously I, I do Gamertech Radio. You know, I do kind of funny. You know, I've been able to host some events, things like that. So it's, Some events, not like any official Xbox events or, yeah. Uh, MBD, no. MBD. I still can't believe I did that, by the way. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I just say creator, I guess. I mean, you know, like I was just up at Kind of Funny earlier this week. You're recording a bunch of stuff. And, uh, you know, even Sunday, oh, Sunday, yeah, Danny and I recorded uh, Gamertag Radio. So it's just be it a podcast, be it on camera, whatever, whatever the case, you know. Creator, just, host, podcaster, it. all of the things. And, and I talk too much on Twitter. So there you go. They do it all. Oh, man, you've, you've been killing I it. I don't know. Too too much. Dude, you're, I'm not saying I've stalked yourself, but your social following has just like <laughs> skyrocketed, man. You're killing it. Whatever you're doing. You're doing it. Uh, I think I make well. a lot of people mad with the stuff I say on Twitter. <laughs> ah, fuck them. I know. I think that kind of antagonistic conversation quality is popular, right? Like, it's, it's a thing I think people like to have, people with opinions. And obviously, you're not one of those people that makes a, a following out of people who love to hate no. things, which is no. good. Because, no. you know. Honestly. That has its dark place yeah. on the corner of the internet. But you... It's you're not afraid to have right. opinions on the internet, which I think is. Yeah, I thing. honestly, I'm to the point with with my social media. I tweet and then I just keep moving. I do not go back <laughs> into the comments <laughs> because I just assume it's going to be chaos no matter what I say. Smart. That's interesting. So you are of the mind that you're like, I just want to like get it out there, but you don't. Engage. No, I don't. Other than the way I have Twitter set up, like like if one of you were to respond to me, I would see it. So I'll respond to that. But just the general responses to people I follow, I would have to actually go back into the tweet to see it. And I don't do it. I, I stopped doing it because it, it's just a lot of negative stuff. And I just I don't want to deal with that. It, there's there's no point to trying to win an argument on the Internet. It's like it's my opinion. I said what I said. And you just keep it moving. Right now, if I said something really dumb and I need to correct myself, of course, someone's going to tell me and I'll go back and do it. But other than that, no, I just I just say what I say and I, I, I just move on to the next thing. So we talked about you having a day job. But when did you kind of transition into doing 
doing more content creations as a creator. Is this something that you saw yourself doing? Did you kind of fall into it? No. The, the, here's a funny story about this. Um, and, you know, I've said it a, a bunch with, with, with Danny. Danny's what got me into this, first and foremost. I always give Danny credit because I would not be here talking to you today if it wasn't for Danny. And that was all the way back in 2006. Oof. And I would do the podcast. You know, it was... Is that your just way of saying Danny's yeah, old? Well, I'm old so too, so old. <laughs> I'm telling them myself. <laughs> but uh, but I'm right there yeah. with you. I say that as a fellow yeah. old. But you know, I it's like I I did the the podcast, just the typical standard gaming podcast. What have we been playing this week? And da 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 da. And you do that, and I was just consistent with that for a while. Got around about 2011. I I stopped doing it um just because it wasn't fun anymore. And then took a break. Danny and Pete basically got me back, pulled me back in in 2013. And then I was just doing. Gamertag Radio, and you know, we would do the podcast every week like we would normally do, go to E3, go, you know, if there was like some preview event, review event, I would fly out, do that stuff. But honestly, it was the pandemic. The pan- if it wasn't for the pandemic in a weird way, I think I would have been done. I was very close to being done around 2020. I just was like, eh, do I really need to do this anymore? But then the pandemic happened, we're all stuck at home. And I just got lucky with a bunch of different opportunities. Um, I like IGN pulled me in to do a bunch of stuff. Greg Miller secretly recruited me and I didn't realize it at the time. Next thing I know, I'm doing stuff I'm kind of funny. And, you know, now I'm obviously on Xcast. What does that mean, secretly recruited? Funny story. So Game Awards 2019. Greg and I knew each other like I'd known of Greg. Right. But it was never any real conversations. So at the Game Awards 2019, That was the first time Greg and I actually had like full on conversation and I didn't know it in the moment. But yeah, Greg had me on the radar. So before the pandemic hit, I was actually going to go up to San Francisco to kind of funny and we were going to record like a podcast and do some other stuff. Pandemic. It was around GDC time. Pandemic happens. Obviously, that that didn't go down. They had started XCast. And Gary couldn't be on one day. And I got to give a lot of credit to Alana. Alana was the one that was like, hey, let's pull in Paris. So then I came on, did XCast. People really liked it. Next thing I know, I'm virtually, you know, being on kind of funny dick, you know, Games Daily, things like that. Alana obviously leaves. Then they pulled me in full time to, to be on XCast. And then I just start doing more stuff with kind of funny being on GamesCast, other other type of things. IGN's pulling me in to do stuff. Then obviously the Xbox thing happened. You did a you lot know, of stuff to- with Cyberpunk, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> as much as I love Cyberpunk and I love people at CD Projekt Red, truth be told, I, I am flat out honored that I got to host that that launch event for the game. But even to this day, people still give me grief for the issues that that game had at launch. And it is what it is. Oh, Paris. I understand as someone who still gets tagged as Andrea EA. Right, right, yeah. And I hosted, I hosted one yeah. thing for them. I, it feels like the fall of Anthem. Is <laughs> you know what? And I, and I was in the and crowd like, that day. I had nothing to know, do with that developing that game. And it is what it is at that point. I'm actually very happy and, and proud of, of what CD Projekt Red has been able to do since then. And, you know, it is what it is. But but yeah, I got, I got to do some stuff with, with, with CD Projekt Red, Cyberpunk, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, it was just, just crazy. It just really pulled me in. And I've been lucky since that point 
that I now work full time remote. So it, it's given me more opportunities to do stuff um, remotely. And now that the world's kind of opening back up, like I like I said, I was just up in San Francisco, you know, in studio for kind of funny doing some stuff with them. Mm-hmm. Who knows what will happen here in 2023. But I even got to go to a couple preview events last year in person. So it's just fun. I mean, I, I love to do it. I mean, that's just the, the bottom line on it. I have a passion for doing it. I love doing it. I, I, I like to talk a lot, so <laughs> kind of works out that way. But um, gaming has always been a thing that has, has, has been a passion of mine. So I, I just feel very lucky and fortunate that I've had the opportunity to do some of the things that I've been able to do in the industry. So it's been pretty great. Do you've been just crushing it. And something that I really appreciate about you too is how you've been open with your social anxiety. And you've said <laughs> on Twitter, right? That is something that used to hold you back, but you kept pushing yourself and pushing yourself. And now look at all of you have accomplished. And I think there's this idea, because listen, all of us have some form of anxiety, social, whatever, doesn't matter. But just because you have that doesn't mean you can't be successful and be a successful content creator and host awesome events. And I just think you're such an inspiration in that way. So I just want to give you props because I know that's not easy. Oh, yes. well, thank you for that. So, so two stories real, real quick on that. So going back to the first time I did the Xbox event, right? You know, they obviously everything was super secret. They invited me up there. I didn't know what the hell I was doing until I they're literally like, all right, you're walking out on stage. Oh, my God. Am I really do-? like it was one of those things. And it yeah. was and it was like, well, you have no time to be nervous or anxious about this. You just got to go do it. And I just did it right. Flash forward to just a few weeks ago, we're at the Game Awards. We obviously, you know, I wore the loud suit. We did the, did the whole thing. I had anxiety and you probably wouldn't have known it at all, you know, from interacting with me. But even being in those social settings like that, I always have that initial anxiety going into it. I go, don't say anything dumb. Don't don't be be a weirdo. I'm, I'm always like overthinking things when it comes to that. But then eventually I'm like, just be yourself. And it was funny because I stayed a second day, you know, like we would all hung out a, a second day and kind of went out that night. I just didn't think about it. it. It was fine. I even had anxiety earlier this week going up to kind of funny, which sounds ridiculous, right? Because I obviously work with these guys all the time, but they're in person and I'm remote at this point. So having that initial face to face, it's always weird. But then I just settle right into it and do the thing. But but you're right. You just have to push through it. I don't think there's anything wrong with with having anxiety. But, you know, if you want to go do something, just go do it. I think I'm to the point where I'm just too old to worry about it. You know, (laughs) hey, if I make a fool of myself, whatever. Fake it till you make it, man. Oftentimes the hardest decision. Listen, if if, if Gary Whitta and Snowbike Mike can do it, anybody. (laughs) It's something that I always repeat to myself because I'm like you two, Paris. Like sometimes I'm like, why am I anxious about this? I do this every week. Well, not the show because I obviously don't give two shits anymore. But. Um, it's the phrase that usually the hardest decision is the right one. The right decision is usually the hardest one to make. Maybe that's what it is. But it's the idea, even when like I did the Resident Evil showcase, they approached me and I'm like, I know in my heart I'm going to do this, but I've never done anything like this before. Right, right. And when I tell you it was fucking torture leading up to that <laughs> shoot, I was like every night, it's all I could think about. But you just do it. And then by the time the second one rolled around to do, I was like, oh yeah, this is fine. You know, another thing with that, that I've, 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 I learned like going into that xbox thing as an example danny and pete have always been a crutch Mm. for me so if i'm going into a new environment but they're there 
I feel like I'm safe because I got my brothers there so I can always yeah. lean on them if I need to. But like that Xbox thing, ain't no Danny, ain't no Pete, <laughs> what am I going to do? Oh no, I just got to go do it. So you know, it's, uh, that was cool in, in that way. I, I Being on camera, being able to do those things has definitely kind of broken me out of that shell and I'm, I'm very thankful for it. And like I, I was even saying before, yeah, I thought 2020, I would just be completely done. I, I don't think that at all. It's like I'm having fun. I feel like yeah. as long as I'm having fun doing this, why why would I stop? Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't yeah. stop. <laughs> as someone that's been around the block and seen a lot of people come and go, we need you to stick and around, Harris, because you're one you're one of the good you're one of the good ones, and I want to see you do better things, and hopefully we can do them together. Oh, uh, absolutely. Good games later this year. Can I say this? I, can I, I say this some, before you get to the yes, next question? Course. And uh, I'm going to get a little personal. You don't even realize this, but you, Andrea, have been a huge inspiration to me when it comes to this. And we were at, I believe it was the Outer Worlds. We were at the Outer Worlds like preview event, right? And we're sitting outside. Was, I think it was me, you, Danny. I'm pretty sure Khalif was there too. And you were giving mm-hmm. me advice or giving us advice on like industry, like work, like just various things, right? That advice has stuck with me to this day, and I've actually passed it along to other people. And I always give you credit for that. I was like, "Yeah, we had we were talking to Andrea, and she's this, that, and all. Like, this is great advice. You you want to follow it? So, I, I I'm a big stickler of try to always pay it forward. So, like you know, I I, I think I bring up Danny ten thousand times, but I do that for a reason because. I'm so appreciative of his mentorship, your mentorship. Like there's there's people in this industry that don't even realize they've been mentors to me, but they have been. And and I'm I'm always appreciative of that. And I always try to pass that advice forward to to the next person. So the people coming up behind us one day, you know, they can they can have success in this industry too. Shit's hard, man. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I really, I really appreciate that. And yeah, I mean, we we like to poke fun yeah. at our friend. Our friend Danny, but he's he's one yep. of the good ones and also is one of our pillars in the video games journalism community. He's been around and he's done amazing, wonderful things. But this show isn't about Danny. It's about you. Uh, so we've got some questions from our community for you. And I want to start with Kelsey Jacobs. Love to see Paris getting his individual spotlight. My question, aside of the big recent acquisitions of ZeniMax and potentially Activision Blizzard, because LOL, that's not done yet. Is it going to get done? That's a question for another time. Which Xbox first party studio or type of game do you see producing a breakthrough IP that is intrinsically tied to the DNA of Xbox? Mm. Oh, man, that's a multi-layered question, because when he's where this person initially said it, I'm like Obsidian avowed. But then you bring up being tied to the Xbox DNA. I don't know when it comes to that part. So I'm actually I'm going to stick with Obsidian. I've I've said a million times Obsidian when we're going to look back at all these acquisitions and everything that they've they've done over the past few years. Obsidian is going to be the most important one that they've done. Um, we've already seen it on a small scale with a game like The Outer Worlds. Obviously, Pentiment just came out now, um, which people were like, why would you make that game? And then people started to play. Even I, Rika tell you, I was telling her this when I was in the preview. I'm like, man, why am I playing this game? I don't get it. And then I started playing it more. I said that yeah. on the podcast. Like My opening yeah. hours of that game, I was like, this, I don't yeah. get it. Why does everybody yeah. love this And then game? finally, I was like, okay, wait, I get it. This is great. And I'm loving it. But... I think a game like Avowed, like I'm I'm a huge Fallout New Vegas fan. So to think that that studio is going to get to make a 
brand new IP, RPG, fully funded everything from Microsoft Xbox, AAA experience. I think I just think it's going to be phenomenal. I have so much faith in that coming from that studio. So I know I'm not really 100% answering the question, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm just going to say Obsidian and Avowed. I think that's going to truly be a breakout IP for them. Now, do you think Avowed could become that really, really important game considering Elder Scrolls? That's part of it, too, because think about it. <laughs> At this point, we're not seeing that till like 2030 or something God. like that, right? Oh, come on. Well, I, I mean, no, I, I mean let, let's be realistic here. Okay, we get Starfield this year, right? Yeah. It's Todd Howard. Do you really think <laughs> he's going to get the Elder Scrolls 6 out in the next five years? I don't see it. Yeah, I don't. Yes. I, I don't see it because because they sh- they show they showed it like three years ago. They talked about the teaser that was no twenty. The official announcement teaser was twenty eighteen. Paris that game will the launch. We're working on it. Teaser was five fucking years ago. That game will ago. not be on the Xbox so, Series yes, X. Yes, I think we're getting it before 2030. No, it'll be on whatever the next Xbox is. So Todd I, Howard I hints, no, no, this feels like hinted that we may <laughs> not does. see it until 2026 at the earliest. Fable's 2025. But so no. I, at the earliest. It's not next year. Do you really think Fable's coming next year? I don't. No. So I'm 2025 at the earliest for <sighs> Fable. So now Elder Scrolls 6? So you're thinking Avowed comes out. Uh, I think 2026 seems too far for Elder Scrolls. I, I, I think we get Elder Scrolls way before no, we get What Fable. I was saying though is hot. No, but like, let me, like, oh, I'm sorry to interrupt. Let me make, let me make a stump for a reason why. Look at PlayStation and how they were unafraid to release multiple big first party titles in the same year. And this year wasn't the only year that they've done it. They've done it multiple years and they've all done well and sold well. And they didn't have PC on their side. Xbox has PC as a platform to sell against. I don't think they need to be afraid of holding titles if they're ready. But the idea that Elder Scrolls 6 isn't going to be ready until 2026 when it was announced in 2018 doesn't seem like Bethesda Game Studios. Let's back up. So you think it's going to come before 2026? No, no. there's no way. There's no way. What? at At the earliest. And I don't believe this at all. I really believe 2030. The earliest is 2028 for that game. No, you're out of your goddamn mind. <laughs> out of goddamn mind. <laughs> don't make me place a Danny Penny bet right to. now that I may lose, but I'll fucking do it because I believe I think that you're you out of to. your mind. You think 2030? I, I, I don't think earliest. 2030. I think I'm li- I'm doing some Googling right now. So There's no me. way it's coming in 2030. It's coming before that. When do we think the next Xbox is coming out? 2028, 2029? You think it's not going to be on this generation of Xbox? No, no way. No way. No way that game sees this generation. You know why it's going to be? Because if they've started, if they showed a teaser that it's in development in 2018, that means it's already at least a year or two underway. <laughs> Don't forget, Elder Scrolls V came out in 2012. Okay. So, like, 2030 is unreasonable. Like, there's no way they started developing that game on, a, on, no. on, on a hardware that doesn't exist and it's not coming out. No, you're wrong. I'm good. Elder Scrolls no. is no. still no. in pre-production, See, according to Todd Howard last year. And he says a game cycle is usually, what, like five to six years. And he said people can do the math. So I'm saying 2027, 2028. 2029 when it gets delayed. <laughs> Look, Paris, come point. on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Oh, man. Yeah. So it, it's... 
It's definitely coming out on this generation of Xbox. Like, I will, like, plant my fucking flag. What are you right willing now. to bet for it? I mean, I'm willing to bet, like, a substantial Whatever you amount, want. Hey, I think Paris I will, what, thing you is name crazy. it, and I accept because it's not, there's no way. Nope. Wait, wait. So, what, wait, let's, before we name what we're betting, let's talk about what we're betting. So, you're saying 2030 or beyond. I, this is what I'll say for the bet. Elder Scrolls 6 will not be on the Xbox Series X or S. Okay. Elder Scrolls 6 will not be on this Series X or S, according to Paris Lilly. I think you're wrong. I think Elder Scrolls 6 absolutely will be on the Backwards the compatibility Xbox does not count. It, it will be a game that will release yes. when the next Xbox is out. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Okay. Like, it'll be like a launch title yes. or beyond mm-hmm. for the new system. Okay, I think you're wrong. <laughs> it's definitely coming out before then. So that being said, I'm willing to bet like a substantial amount. Like, what are you feeling? You want to do like a bottle of something? You want to do monetary? You want to do charitable donation? What do you want to do? We're winos. We're we're winos. Let's do some very expensive wine. Let's do that. Okay. Let's do a bottle of wine valued at least $150 with an equitable charitable contribution of the same amount. I'm in. To the winners, charity I'm Elizabeth Brombacher. Bet. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> okay. Bottle of wine, charity contribution. <laughs> I'm feeling good about the wine I'm going to drink. because. So now that these two <laughs> chuckle fucks have been okay. arguing, let's just get to some facts, which was last year, I think in 2021, <laughs> Howard stated that it's going to be roughly, probably 15 years between Elder Scrolls games. Sky- Skyrim came out in 2011. So if you do the math, 2026, 2027, I would say it's closer to 2027, 2028, but that's me. So that's what we know as of right now. And it's still in pre-production as of February right. of last year. Okay. Okay. We have our terms. There we go. All right. Looking forward to that money, honey. Hey, for money, you suckers. Man. Hey. See, Bree and I are smart. We just sit back, let y'all go at it, and then we just reap the rewards. Awards. Exactly. Bottle of wine, some money. Listen, as long as your fandom doesn't like descend on me on Locust the way that Danny's did, and then I had to be like, well, actually, did you actually like listen to the bed? Did you talk to Because the- they're all like, yeah, he won. I was like, yes, but like it was... Ugh. I still to this day. Mm. Mm. Their wording over the whole thing was wishy-washy at fucking best. And that's on Xbox's shoulders. But we're going to move on from that because we have another question for you, Paris. Well, this is really more of a a statement than a question. Daniel Hall says, just let him know it's been too long since we had a cookie fight. And I don't know what that means. A cookie fight. Yeah, I don't know what that means either. Probably has to do with this um, oatmeal cookie business, which, by the way, let's get your, since we're talking about definitive and divisive things, Mm -hmm. which side side are you on? Chocolate chip or oatmeal raisin? Which one would I choose? Yeah. Correct. If I had had to choose between the two, I would say chocolate chip. Fuck yeah. 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 But I like both. Why do you want prunes in your cookies, dude? Like fucking shrivel up. Listen, you can like both. You can like both, but the one you choose says a lot about you. Little prunes? What's up, Grandpa? I need prunes with your cookie? (laughs) Need some help in the bowel department? Damn. No. No, it's okay. It's okay to like fruit Mm -hmm. in your cookie, but we're just saying oatmeal raisin masquerades as chocolate chip on plates and people get confused sometimes and then they get upset. Now, I would escalate this to say my true preference is chocolate chip with walnuts in it. No, 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 nuts and fruit do not belong in cookies. Keep that shit. But the best cookie cookie actually is molasses and nobody admits that, which is a problem for me. Because you know why? Because very few people make good molasses. You want to know why? why, Yeah. 
They always dry and hard. Why and why re- good. Because this isn't 1879 when they made stuff you know like what? that. You don't do that anymore. You know what? <laughs> it is a natural sweetener. <laughs> They're soft and it wonderful. Is. Where do you think brown Dude. sugar fucking comes from? Molasses. Ugh. Every um, other cookie is derived like, from we didn't molasses. Know. It is the original. I'm with you. I love a good molasses cookie. Very right. few people make a good yeah, molasses yeah, yeah. cookie is the problem. That's why it's yeah, got yeah. such a bad rap. It's it's difficult to make well. Um, okay, Paris, our sure. last question comes from KCT. What are your favorite things to do outside of the video game industry? Sports. I love basketball. I love basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Sports, sports, sports. I love football. Um, I love going fishing. Yeah. Uh, Hell yeah. What else do I just absolutely love to do? Wait, where do you go fishing in SoCal? Well, again, right by the wineries. There's a <laughs> there's a lake there's a lake over here I'd like to go to. But uh, my son and I, we actually we actually like to go down to San Diego. We go down to the bay, and um, I like going deep sea down in Mexico. Go tuna fishing, stuff like that. Hell yeah. Uh, okay. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I love that shit too. It's a good time. Yeah. Like Same. It. I've never been deep sea fishing. What is it about that's like super exciting for you? When you hook a 75 pound bluefin tuna and that reel just goes out, it, there's no better feeling in the world. Absolutely love it. Or you get a Dorado on and he comes out and he's just dancing on the water. You're out there in the Loy. Yeah, there's nothing better. Love it. Absolutely love it. It's a really tranquil experience. I mean, the adrenaline yes. of that part. I went when I got married in Bora Bora. One of the things because my dad loves fishing. And he also wanted to take me fishing out there, too. Anyway, we did deep sea fishing out in Bora Bora. And that was one of the most magical, beautiful things I'd ever done. It was just so yes. stunning. And if you've never done it, I know it's like, oh, well, find the time to do it. <laughs> it's like, but if you can. One moment I had fishing, my greatest, I didn't get it, but I almost peed my pants moment is we went deep sea fishing down in Cabo and I hooked a marlin. You did. No shit. He jumped, That's like the goal. He, he jumped out of the water and almost peed my pants. I was like, oh my God, am I going to catch this? And he got away. Oh. But I, I'll never forget that. That was just just majestic to see yes. that, that thing come out of the water. Now, a, another thing, and this is sad, we got back to the dock and I saw a marlin on, like, on the dock, like someone caught it and had it there. And all the color like leaves its body and it was just gray. It was really? almost like vision when they took the mind stone out and he just turned gray. It was sad. I was like, oh, poor I didn't Marlin. Know that happens. Damn. Yeah. Mm-mm. The Marlin, that's the dream. So would you equate like deep sea fishing to hunting? Because I, I know like a lot of people have like very strong thoughts about I never want to go hunting. It's not something I want to do, but it feels like deep sea fishing because like, you're ca- catching such a big animal. It feels like it's comparable. I guess it could be. I guess I never thought of it that way. Um, I've never done any real hunting. I mean, you know, as a kid, oh, you go shoot a rabbit or something like that, but I've never gone after like elk or any deer or anything big like that, you know, or I've always thought I wanted to go pig hunting. And oh, I know, yeah, 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 I would love to do that. I mean, listen, I love me some bacon. I just didn't know it this is was a thing. a thing. I come and you get tree, girl. <laughs> you get tree. And, and I've always <laughs> wanted to go after a turkey, a wild turkey. I always think that would be fascinating to do. But they are, yes. are scary. No. They will chase you when you're on the Cry taught me <laughs> yes. that they're mean. <laughs> they're assholes. I think the interesting, the difference between <gasps> hunting and fishing, you know, my, again, like raised, I've done hunting many times. 
done hunting many times, gone hunting many times. I think it's the use of firearms when you're hunting, which can be the jarring part, right? Where you actually have to like load a weapon, shoot right. the weapon, feel the recoil of the weapon. And then, you know, if you're lucky enough to get a, a kill shot that's clean, you know, it still can be traumatic for people. Whereas if you get a fish, you know, you're just like, oh, you just see like the beautiful top of the water and maybe yeah. a little bobber if you're hunt- if you're fishing for trout, you know, it's a much more different experience. That might be the number one difference. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely feels like it's less yeah. visceral, except when you have to actually like uh, my thing with when I was fishing is whenever you have to like you actually hook something, you have to take it off the hook. Yeah, and dehead it, clean <laughs> it, like scale all, it, yeah. fillet around. I was like, <laughs> oh, I don't want to touch it. I actually um, who's like your football part. team, Paris? Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, my son. Oh, I don't listen to that. We won't. Wait, wait, Super Bowl. why, why are we going on? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so like it's been a little rough this season or whatever for you, but like me over here being like Minnesota Vikings fan, being like we've had an amazing season, but we're still gonna find a way to fuck it up in the playoffs. I I know it, but like I'm holding out a hope that maybe this is the year we go to Super Bowl because in my mind I'm like, okay, the Minnesota Vikings have had yes. some of the most exciting football games to watch multiple times this year and the last several years of the NFL. So if there's anybody pulling some puppet strings behind the scenes to say who gets to go to Super Bowl. There's a lot of conspiracy theories about who gets to go to Super Bowl, not just who wins. Maybe this is our year. No, yeah, that, like, that Colts game was insane. I, I will say this though, Andrea, not, not to trash talk because it's the truth. You do not want Tom Brady versus Kirk Cousins. Just saying. Yeah, you don't want that. You don't you don't want that one. <laughs> no, of course I don't. Like that's not trash talking. That's not comparable. <laughs> I was nervous about Aaron Rodgers versus Kirk Cousins and the and the Green Bay had like a shit season, but Aaron Rodgers is like that quarterback that like there's 20 <laughs> seconds left on the clock and they're down yeah. by like 8 and he'll find a way to like well, not last throw week. the fucking touchdown oh. and get the two-point conversion cuz he's just that guy. Yeah. Like but but Brady is that guy 10 times over like I definitely don't want to go up against all the I know is that no one's had a better it, season than hypothetically the Vikings just for the sole Yay. reason that Russell Wilson sucked so bad this year he did because said, of that trade we get a number yes. five draft pick next year thank you very very much thank you Lions thank you for beating Rodgers I'm good I have said multiple times this year that there is an arrest warrant out in the city of Denver for Pete Carroll because he had on a ski mask and a pistol the way he, he freaking robbed the Broncos. Oh, dude. Can you believe it? I The way they set that trade up and the, how yeah. it benefited the Seahawks. Oh, my God. It is just a good time to be alive. That's all I know. It's glorious. Sorry, Russell. You got too cocky. Anyway. Oh, well, you know, that's, we that's, should. that's sports yeah. for you. Gosh, we need to watch yes. more. We need to watch more sports together. As Men in tights. <laughs> well, I don't know about that part, you but know, yes, <laughs> the sports would be great. Running around. It is. Yep. That's that's not my thought when I'm going like, sports, I can't wait to see Tom Brady like sweating in this game. And his tight, tight pants. Listen, do I have some ulterior motives? I mean, let's just leave that question in the ether. All right. It's been wonderful to have you on the show. You're clearly hosting a lot of things right now. If people want to follow you and find you, where are the best places to do so? If you're on social media, at Vicious696 on everything, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff, you can find me at Gamertag Radio. 
And you can find me over at Kind of Funny. All right. Well, we'll have all of those links in the show notes for you below. It was wonderful to get you on the show, Paris. Thank you so much for making the time. And we'll hopefully see what one of the things happening very soon here in Los Angeles. Yes. Thank you for having me on. This has been an honor to be on with you. As I said earlier, you've been an inspiration to me. It is always a great time when I get to see all three of you in person. Hopefully we get to do it again real soon. But thank you so much. This has been fun. Absolutely. And our our wine. (laughs) Someone needs to document this bet as well. (laughs) We'll uh, we'll plan it out. All right, everybody. That's it for our show. Enjoy your weekend. We'll see you next week. Bye.